Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprints that put us on the path and the journeys of our lives. Some find purpose. Every story can help, heal, inspire, educate. And my big word is to give hope. Today, my guest is Chrissy Corey. She has a powerful story of personal transformation from brokenness and addiction to becoming a Bible teacher, speaker, author, and founder of It's Time You Believe Ministries. She was 23 years old, a college dropout, estranged from her parents, depressed, addicted to drugs, and brokenhearted after a string of unhealthy relationships with men. Then Chrissy hears a voice. And her life started to turn around, but not without a battle. Will she listen to that voice or continue to make the choices based on five lies she's believed most of her life? We'll ask Chrissy what those lies are and how they made a significant impact in turning her life around and how these same lies can help you or someone you think may need to know them too. Please help me welcome my guest, Chrissy Corey. Hi, Chrissy. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and be your guest. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to give a little shout out to your daughter, Jessie Lee Cosby, because she said, hey, my mom has a story. And I was like, hey, I'm all good to hear stories because you know what? Someone probably needs to hear it. So we're going to tell her thank you as well. Yes. Thank her. I know she's heard it all her life. So she's probably, I'm shocked. I said, what? You passed me on to somebody? How nice. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way, of course, right? Yeah, that was sweet of her. So she felt that you had a story that other individuals needed to hear, but looking at your website, it sounded more like a mother-daughter type teaching. Can you share with us a little bit more as to what It's Time You Believe Ministries are, and it's based on your daughter and yours relationship, I'm assuming? Yes. The whole idea came about is when my daughter was in her teens, and I saw her heading down the same path that I headed town and I could see <laughs> that, oh gosh, I don't want her to spiral out of control like I spiraled out of control. So I was concerned and I wanted some Christian material to talk to her about the tough topics and I couldn't find anything. And I had been sharing my testimony and my story um, as a young girl and I, how I'd made so many mistakes and so I thought, you know, God gave me the idea to write my autobiography and I added a learning journal with it so that a mother and a daughter can go through the book together and learn from lessons I learned the hard way. Mm. Sometimes girls, girls don't want to open up and share like really what's going on, especially with their mom. But if they can take my story and dissect it and analyze it. And then it helps them bring up some tough topics to talk about, which I think is so important now these days. Well, and as parents, at least uh, I will speak for myself, we want our kids, whether it's a boy or a girl, we want them to do better than what we thought we had. Uh, it must be like a generational thing because I think our parents are like, I want them to have the best of everything and, and yes. I don't want them to go through the mistakes I have gone through. But in the reality of it, they also have to make their own mistakes to realize, one, they were mistakes, and two, how they can grow and be successful adults. Yes, exactly. So when you but talk it, about... Go ahead. I was going to say, when you talk about mistakes and, and where your daughter was going, what, what exactly would you say would be helpful for people to understand what that means, especially being a parent? I think for her, she was trying to find her place at school you know, mm -hmm. trying to fit in. Uh, what I call it is looking for love in all the wrong places. 
And so I could see that she was struggling in fitting in with the girls there. She was dealing with bullying and um, I could see her self-esteem just dwindling down to nothing. I could see Mm -hmm. that she was struggling with depression and I was there and I took the choice of medicating that anxiety and that low self-esteem by doing drugs at a very young age. And I did not want her to go down that same path. So both my husband and I are recovering addicts. And so when it's in the family, there's a fear like, oh my gosh, how can I prevent this from happening? I know I can't completely prevent it, but I did teach health. And so I know drug prevention, you know? And so I thought there's gotta be something I can do to prevent her from heading down the same path I hit, you know, I went down. So that was the whole reason of, um, talking to her and being a little bit more open and more in detail and trying to share with her what I had learned from, you know, lessons in the past. Let's get specific. Let's, let's be real. This is an unedited version of our story and our lives and why not get right into it? I saw something on your page, uh, your website. Um, it's time you believe and, uh, Talking about some tough topics, we're going to say dating. That's not so tough, right? Uh, Peer pressure? Oh, come on. There's no peer pressure we can't handle. Depression? Oh, you know, you'll just live with it, you know, today and it'll be different tomorrow. Poor self-esteem? Well, I'm sorry. That's... That's not my problem. That's yours, right? These are, these are things that we go, wait a minute. No, because I know when I read these Mm -hmm. that I've been there too. Now, I didn't do drug addiction, but the self-esteem for women is tough. Depression is tough for everyone of all ages. And now you've got these addictions, and they're not just drug addictions. There's media addiction to find Mm self-worth. Some of the topics that I just talked about, what you talk about? Yeah, I do. I think what I do is I do talk about, like, at a very young age, when I was, like, in sixth grade, I was bullied. And so a girl at that age consciously thinks, how am I going to fit in? So we conform and we change. And I did that at a very young age. So I was like, well, what is, what, what am I going to have to do to be popular? And I had really bad acne. So man, I would kick on the makeup. I would do whatever it, you know, took to look the perfect 10, you know, because we think if I live, if I look the perfect 10, then I'm going to find the perfect person and then I'm going to live happily ever after. I mean, isn't it? Yeah. Coming your flaws. Yes. And, you know, with social media, taking the selfies and we, you know, compare ourselves the way we look Mm -hmm. with other people on social media. And it's way worse than what it was back in my, you know, back when I was younger, that age. So for me, I kind of talked to her about my struggles and how, medicating that pain or changing myself didn't really help the situation. Instead, it made it worse because I lost myself in the process, if that makes sense. It does. So what are the five lies that you're talking about? Well, the first one was, is I know my mom would always say, oh, well, you need God in your life. You know, you need to go to church with me. You need your faith. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And I would look at my parents and their Christian lifestyle, I thought, if I become them, I'm going to be unhappy. So that was my first lie. Um, I didn't want anything to do with Christianity at all. 
at that time. Uh, the second lie was, hey, if I become that perfect 10, then I will be happy. I will live happily ever after. Um, my parents are out to ruin my life. They don't have any advice to give me. I'm not going to listen to them. Um, the lie number four was, if I were rich, my life would be perfect. So when I was 15, 16, I moved to South Florida. And that was probably one of the richest cities in the United States, Boca Raton. You never know if you've heard of it. I have. I used to live in Florida. Really? The girls that went to high school, you know, here I'm coming from a small town from the Midwest and I'm going to this high school in South Florida. And it was a huge culture shock for me. And I remember, oh my gosh, these girls look like they're walking out of Vogue magazine and they're driving nice cars and have nice clothes. And so in my mind, I thought, oh, that's another goal for me. I need to be also rich, also perfect looking in every way. And then I'll be happy. And then line number five, of course, I need a man to be complete. I need to find, you know, my Prince Charming and then everything will, I'll live happily ever after. Right. Cause that's what it happens in the movies or TV shows. Right. As you know. Right. So those were the five that I believed and be- believing those lies it caused me to change and make choices that were negative. And so I did get into that party scene. I did get into the drug activity and the dating and get into some unhealthy relationships. And I let my uh, self get lost in the process. The superficial. Yeah, very superficial. Mm -hmm. And so through high school, I was in a very abusive relationship. When I moved to South Florida, I wanted to fit in. And this guy had money. And uh, he started pursuing me. And so I got into this relationship with him. I dated him all through high school. But he was very abusive. So, you know, slapped me across the face, tried to kick me out of a moving car. Uh, I remember one time he grabbed me by the head of my hair and drug me out of a club and called me every name in the book. And I tolerated it. Mm-hmm. And why did I tolerate it? Because I thought, well, one, he has money. Two, who else will love me, right? Who else will love me? Who else will take care of me? So I tolerated that abuse for three years. Um, eventually got out of that relationship, but then boom, another unhealthy relationship and still in the party scene, still doing drugs and alcohol and getting high. I mean, I started getting high in seventh grade. So it just snowballed. It got worse and worse as the years went on. Uh, So then in my story, I get into more detail about all these unhealthy relationships. And um, I think it's really good because girls can relate to that story. Actually, and, women, not just yes. the girls, women of our age, I say our age, I'm 51. <laughs> yeah. We'll say all ages if they're not, if they haven't been through that journey of confidence or finding that and they're still finding love and, and there's a song, it's finding love in all the wrong places. Yes. It's going to keep you stuck and constantly questioning who you are. Yeah. So it's not just the kids, but your your focus is to teach the younger, since there are not very many that we can um, say that there's um, resources or mentors, because we're all going through this thing called life, trying to figure out our own steps as mm-hmm. we go along, right, in each age bracket that we're in. So you your focus, is it the younger generation to be able to help them, or is it for all women? 
Well, you know, what I want to do is I want to have, a, which I do have available, is a Zoom group for the moms that have daughters that see their daughters spiraling out of control. Mm-hmm. They don't like the choices that they're making. They see them struggling. And so a support group for moms talking and praying and supporting our girls during this time, but then also going through the journal and get our own healing and talk about these things that we went through and our fears of where we think our daughter might head, you know, really share. And then hopefully I'm hoping that they will introduce the story and the learning journal to their daughter and have them go together through the journey. So what you're you're saying is you have to be vulnerable. You have to let it all out there. Even though we know that word vulnerable, it doesn't feel like a safe word, but in all reality is a safe word when you can actually get it all out there and you're like, you know what? I'm good. Nothing can get me now. Because, you know, Christine, I didn't have a relationship with my mom at all. At all. I mean, we didn't talk about anything. I remember the the topic that she talked about, about sex. She was like, look, okay, if you're with a boy and you start having a really good feeling, (laughs) run, run. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I have no idea what she's talking about. So she didn't share anything with me. My boyfriend in high school taught me about sex. My boyfriend in high school took me to Planned Parenthood and got me on birth control. I mean... I think if we don't have that good relationship with our mom, we are going to try to survive in life as a young girl. And we are going to either find a friend for help, a boyfriend. We are going to do whatever it takes to get in the in-club click. I mean, because there's all different kinds of clicks, but we do conform to try to fit in. Because we all want to feel that love and we all want to feel like we are special and we, we belong. Have, we, exactly. We have a sense of belonging. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, you keep referring to this journal. What is this journal? The journal, it goes with, it's the learning journal that goes with my autobiography. And where can you find the autobiography? So we'll get that started and then we'll go into the journal part. Yeah. The autobiography is on my website. It's timeyoubelieve.com. And you can order it from Amazon and it comes with a learning journal and the learning journal. So you would read a chapter of my story and then you would go into the learning journal and you would kind of dissect it. Let's learn from lessons that Chrissy learned the hard way and kind of talk about my journey and why I made maybe the decisions I made and learn from them and discuss them. I think girls are more likely to talk about other people than talk about themselves. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, I'm still at that. And I'm 51 again. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to share. Yeah, I don't want to be center. Yeah. But it yeah. does make a difference too for, for all ages. Yes, it does. It does. And I think, you know, I was very vulnerable with my daughter and, you know, we have a close relationship. I mean, she didn't always share everything, but when she got into crisis mode, then she knew she could come to me because she realized, you know, my mom's been through some stuff. She's not perfect. She's going to understand. I definitely didn't act like I was someone on a pedestal and this perfect person. And you don't have all the answers as we're supposed to think we have. (laughs) I know I don't. We don't have the answers, (laughs) but we need to talk, you know, about these topics. Communication is everything, right? Yes, true. And my son, my daughter and I were very close too. Um, And my son, um, he and I are close too, but uh, it's a different type of relationship being a mother and a Mm. son. But he respects 
me, which helps him with yes. his relationship with his girl, who I absolutely adore and have known for a long time. So again, it goes with what we said earlier, how we talk to our kids is how they're going to become the individuals with the uh, information we've provided them or resources we've provided them. Not that they're not going to make their own mistakes because they really do have to have that in their lives. They have to make some mistakes to say, oh, I can't do that. I can't base it on her because you know what? That was what she did. That's not what I'm going to do. But right. sometimes they still turn out the same way. Exactly. That's true. So now this is a ministry. So do you go to speak to uh, churches or groups? Um, I love going and sharing my story okay. with youth groups or with women uh, because I do want to encourage moms to have hope and faith, especially if their child is not making the right decisions and spiraling out of control. Mm -hmm. um, my mom prayed for me. They, my mom never gave up on me and she prayed for me and God intervened and turned my life around. And it is miraculous what he did because where I was at, at the point where I was at and what he did to turn things around is miraculous. Where were you? Where were you that made that change? So where I was at that point, I had to move back home. So I'm 23. I had dropped out of college because I had no idea what I wanted to major in. So this was my lifestyle, put it this way. I was teaching aerobics at a health club then I would go to the clubs at night and I would drink and I would do Coke and I would do so much Coke. I would get so wired. I couldn't even hold a cigarette or talk. So then I couldn't go to sleep. So then I would uh, smoke a joint so I could go to bed and then pray to God. Oh God, I'll never do this again. Just please help me get through this night. I'll never do this again. And then the cycle would continue. Okay. So that's kind of where I was at. I was brokenhearted every relationship. I thought, well, maybe the next guy, maybe the next guy. And so by this time, I was brokenhearted and addicted. And I wasn't really talking to my parents. I was living there, but there was no relationship. And I was seeking for an answer. So you want to hear about when I heard God's voice? Mm -hmm, because that's yeah. what we started with. And I want to know as well as anyone else where they get that turning point in their life. And not not everyone hears the voice of God. Not everyone believes in God. And I respect that. But there is there are many stories where they have that turning point for mm -hmm. you. It was a turning point of hearing God. So yes, please share where that turning point was. So, I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't really want anything to do with God. Um, my mom got me a Bible and I remember I was like, oh yeah, right. Like that's going to help me. I'm going to read this Bible and it's going to help me figure out what I'm going to do in my life. How, how is that going to help me? I had, I really didn't want anything to do with it, but I was watching this show. Um, it was a little mini series on TV and this girl was on the beach and she said, God is within me. And I was like, how can she say that? That's so bizarre. I believed in God. I just thought that God was stuck in heaven and I was here on earth and we were separated and that probably when I died, I would go to heaven because I thought it was pretty good, but I didn't know, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't get that. That really got my attention that one night that I went to sleep. I was thinking about that. And I did pick up the Bible and think, I'm going to try to read the Bible. Why not? You know, because I was telling my mom, you know, I kind of believe in this stuff because I was talking to this new age lady at the health club and she was telling me that I had a pretty special gift because at that time in my life, I was having about the, these dreams and these dreams were coming true. For example, I would have a dream about something and then I would share it with a friend and 
I'd say I had a dream about you. And they're like, no way. That was what was going on in my life. So I kind of was into the spirituality, new age type thing. And so my mother was kind of freaked out about it, a little bit freaked out about it. So she's like, well, you know, there is a spiritual world, but there's only one spirit you want to believe in. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm like, okay, yeah, right, mom, Christian mom. Yeah, whatever. So I go to bed that night and I'm thinking about the show this new age show about spirits talking through dreams and visions and stuff like that. And I was really believing and very fascinated with this. And then thinking about, you know, in the past, this lady talking to me about how I had this gift. And she said to me, you know, do you ever feel a presence? And I was like, no, I never feel a presence. She's like, well, if you ever do go with it, it's nothing bad. It's something good. And so I was thinking about that as I was going to sleep. And then I tried to read the Bible and literally open up the Bible. It was like a little angel here on one shoulder and a devil on the, on the next, you know, saying, read it, read it. And the devil's like, you're not going to understand this. This is not going to help you. And so ended up just throwing the Bible on the floor, you know, and turn off my lights, nightlight on. I had a nightlight on in my room. Locked, I always locked my door, very paranoid. So I locked my door and I'm laying there and trying to sleep. And I just felt a presence. And the best way to describe it was like someone was standing at the foot of my bed. And it just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So strong that I started turning the lights on in my room because I started, you know, freaking out. Like, is there really anything in here? Whatever. But I remember laying there and I started thinking, wow, I remember what that lady said. Go with it. It's nothing bad. It's something good. So I had one thought and I said, I'm going to believe I'm going to go with this feeling and I'm going to believe that this presence is God. And when I thought that in my head, my ear got really numb and this powerful force came into my ear, took over my whole body. And I heard a very bold, strong voice saying, it's time you believe. And it was very powerful, like a bolt of lightning. And it kind of shook me and I got out of out of the bed really quickly. I was sweating. I was thinking, oh my God, this just didn't really happen to me. This just didn't really happen to me. So I thought this is all in my head. This was a dream. It didn't really happen. I went to the restroom. I came back. I had every light in the room and I thought, okay, just, I just want to go to bed. This just didn't happen to me. So I'm laying there in my bed and I, when I shut my eyes, I couldn't really see darkness. All I could see were these big bold letters and it said Galatians 3.26. I didn't know what it meant. I looked at the Bible on the floor and I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to read it. There's no way. I I, I have a feeling that if I look this up in the Bible, it's going to tell me what just really happened to me, really happened to me. And I don't want to believe that that really happened. So I continued to um, go to sleep that night, woke up the next morning, long story short, um, my mom read the verse. It was uh, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, which didn't really make sense to me. But the first Sunday that I went to church, guess what? That was the verse on the altar. And I knew it was a sign. And then the preacher talked about how God speaks to people. It might be like a whisper or a bolt of lightning. And I was going to raise my hand. Yes, bolt of lightning over here. So that was the beginning. But there was still a battle that was going on between that. 
You want to hear? <laughs> so we have a couple. So we have a couple of minutes left before I ask my final question. So if you can sum that up, absolutely. It's almost like there's a cliffhanger here. I can't have that. <laughs> well, you have to get my book to find out really what happens. So let. So remind my listeners. Say again to my listeners, those that you are interested in hearing more about her story. Where can we find your book, and what's the name of it again? It's called "It's Time You Believe: The Voice That Changed My Life." And you can get it on Amazon, but you can also get it at my website, which is at itstimeyoubelieve.com. And that and is you cr- click on, Yeah, click on the resources and you can, it'll take you right to the book, the learning journal. And there's also um, a gratitude journal in there too. Uh, that I, I so. live by gratitude every single day. Yes. So that was, it was a battle Um, and if you do read in my story, I go in a little bit more specific about what I battled with, you know, do I really see myself completely committing myself to God and being a Christian and living that lifestyle? So there was a battle there, but I did finally make a decision and it does go into detail, like how it started turning my life around. Definitely. So it's worth the read. Definitely. Ah, there you have it. And it sounds as though this was one of those walks of your life that said, my daughter is not going to walk that same journey. And that's why you made it specific to helping mothers with daughters. Yes, because I think my story, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places and struggling with so similar stories that young girls struggle with or women in general struggle with, that they can relate to my story. And there is a Prince Charming out there that wants them as their own, right? They're praying for you as much as you're praying for them, right? Yes. And so um, I think it gives hope. It gives hope for moms that see their daughter struggling, that God can intervene. So if they are praying for you know, their loved one or any loved one that's struggling in an addiction. I know it was heartbreaking for my parents to see me where I was at. Um, they would be having Bible study like in the living room. And I would, I call it getting sleezed up, ready to go to the clubs, saying the F word, heading out the front door. Thinking and you're I'm, cool. <laughs> yeah. Thinking I'm cool and just, you know, <laughs> into it all. And my life is just great. And I don't want to deal with these Christian people. And they all probably prayed for me as I drove out of the driveway, hoping to God that I would come home alive. So um, there is hope. There is hope for that. And that's why I like to share that. Thank you for sharing that. So I have a final question. Are you ready? Sure. Based on everything you've said and a little bit of a cliffhanger, so everyone needs to go out and either go to your website or go get your book, myself included. I actually have gone on your website, so I have seen a bit. So I will let other people go and check it out so they can find out for themselves. My final question is, what message would you like to leave our listeners based on your personal story, journey of life, or about life in general? I would say my big message is God is real. Mm -hmm. He is alive and he can do the impossible and he can intervene. When you think it's a hopeless situation, God brings hope and he brings transformation and he loves all of us so much and he is alive and well and he hears our prayers and he wants to bring hope and he wants to bring change in a person's life. 
Sometimes we got to go through those mistakes to find out what that means, right? Yeah, or hit that bottom. Oh, yes. And some people have hit bottom a couple times. Some haven't quite got there yet. And some people probably even realize that, you know, it, it could happen. Yes, it's true. It's true. And it's painful to see them hit bottom. Nobody likes pain. And there's nothing that teaches us that more than the mistakes that we make and the people we listen and learn from, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And of Thanks. course, we want to fix them. <laughs> we do. We do. I'm a fixer, but it's uh, come to a point where you're like, you know what? I can't do that. That's someone else's not mine. Thank you again, Chrissy, for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you to my listeners for yet again, listening in to another amazing story. And as Chrissy shared, where you can find her information and hear more about her journey, her story, and how you can actually help your daughter or someone else you think that's needing that direction with that journal she spoke about. If you have a story you want to share, know someone who has a story you feel needs to be heard or an organization in your community making a difference that you feel needs to be uh, talked about, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. And until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care.